Um, but I actually was, Lord reminded me, he's like, it's October and next month is November. What is November known for? Thankfulness. And I just thought that is not a mistake and it's not an accident. So I just want you all to know that it is no accident that we, we are so grateful for y'all, for everything y'all do. I mean, y'all step in at the last minute. I know you did today for me, Elizabeth. So, um, we are so grateful. So I'm just going to have them say just a really quick word, um, about y'all. Well, I was um, thinking there's so many different things I can really be grateful for. And it's Elizabeth, you're always working with the women and you honor the women and you love the women. And I just, that's, that's wonderful. And, and Tim, you're such an encourager. And every time we're around you, you just always have words that just lift us up and, and help us to pursue the Lord more. And that just is such a blessing. But the, the one thing, if I had to put down one thing that I really appreciate, and I believe that you know, when I'm, when we are speaking, just a few of us, it's like the whole body, you know, because we're just a few, but, uh, really the whole body values you or we wouldn't be here. So, um, what I, I value probably the most is your pursuit of, of the Holy spirit, your pursuit of the Lord, your pursuit of his presence, whether it be in worship, leading worship, or whether it be with a word or whether it be with just, um, hanging out a little bit longer and giving up your time for, for Holy spirit to, to move and, and, um, we just value that so much and, and it helps us to grow in that. It helps us to, to pursue the Lord as well. Just like that. Wow. She said everything I was going to say. <laughs> we didn't talk. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all true. I, I appreciate uh, Tim and Elizabeth because I mean, they're friends, they're brothers and sisters and they're leaders. Leaders. You know, I've led some small stuff, but when you lead a church, man, it's rough. Uh, and they just pursue and God and the rough stuff, they try to let it just go off. And I appreciate that uh, y'all aren't afraid to discipline. You're not afraid to love. And it's out of love that you do all the things you do. And I really appreciate that. So um, on the past i can see the lion you than he real and today or tonight um i asking the lord and i'm praying a worship time and he said i'm working right now and around the city it's not only church it's whole city and san marcos and i can feel it so team elizabeth i know your heart is for the world your heart has changed the world you know but um, I can feel um, San Marcos for sure is first really in your heart and as a strong and God said, I can hear you and um and I'm here and I'm working around and I'm I feel it I don't know what happened outside but I can feel it and the same time we worship God take care and a stop any situation outside. We said the darkness tremble, remember? So this is what happened tonight. I want to address individually and, and together just super quick. Elizabeth, I just want to say happy appreciation, Pastor's Appreciation Month. And I just want to say, I'll, I'll take it. I'll be the brunt. Forgive me and anyone else who is not respected enough as a pastor. And I just say, we honor you as a pastor. We honor you as a leader. And I say from here on out, you'll get more respect from me. And, uh, and hopefully I'll still make dumb jokes. I won't change, but 
but the respect will be there. <clears throat> and and Tim, I just say that uh, <clears throat> the reason I had Isabella up here <clears throat> was I don't think you understand that like she wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Like that's not like a small, it's not an over exaggerated statement. Like if you hadn't said like sure, I'll trust you to go to Guatemala, she would not be here. So y'all could go to Siberia for the rest of y'all's lives, and she would change the world. And her alone could be y'all's fruit. And I know you have much, much more. <clears throat> and then I was asking if there's a word, and this is for Tim specific, so I, I super apologize. I just felt like God saying that it's it's about to be garbage time, basketball. And I feel like you might be looking for the sidelines for the coach to pull you, but he's saying no. Not only is he not pulling you, but he's giving you permission to shoot. And he's actually interested to see where you're going to shoot on the court because the shot that's going to seem the most ridiculous is going to be the most fun to take because that's going to be where the most reservation is going to want to happen. But he's saying, no, I want you to shoot there because he wants to see a reaction. And I feel like we all have this thing to where the natural is reflecting the supernatural. And so I don't want to say just nice words and can we take 15, 30 seconds? And I really felt like Jesus wanted to honor y'all. And so what Tom said was, was spot on. I was kind of bummed out that he stole it because he, he hit it perfectly. But like literally, I think as we're doing this, heaven is honoring y'all at the same time. But I don't want it to just be that. I want, it to, I want y'all to walk away with like an actual word from, from Jesus and say, and, and if you are bold enough to ask this question, Jesus, how do you honor me? So if y'all don't mind asking yourselves that real quick, and then y'all hear a really cool answer. Yeah. Um, I don't want October to just be the one month that y'all get honored. I just, I declare it's going to be easier from here on out that y'all get honored every day, every week, every month, every year. It's going to be easy. God, Jesus, thank you so much. Y'all, can y'all just all stick your hands out at them real quick? Lord, we thank you. Thank you for, for leaders who love us. Lord, you bless us with awesome guest speakers, Lord, but you have blessed us with leaders every weekend, every day, that they, they look after this place like a child. It is their baby, that they nurture it and care for it and love it. And inside of that, we are in there as well. So, Lord, I just say pour out a blessing on them that is extravagant and personal, to them, to their hearts, to their lives. And we just say, we love you guys so, so much. We love you with all our hearts. We love you too with all our hearts. And we honor y'all today and throughout the years to come. Amen. So we're going to take a toolbox offering, but uh, don't feel like this is the last time you need to honor them. Just pour out any sort of blessings on them. And however y'all feel, um, if y'all have not gotten our emails, please let me know and we will get you on that email. So if you'd like to come up and give, we will leave this up here while Tim is preaching. So feel free to bless him, like tip him as he's preaching. I don't know. So Tim, it's all yours. Can you put up the giving slide real quick? Thank you. All right. Thank you guys. Spence, thanks for asking the Lord. I would share what he told me, but none of your business. 
No, it was really nice. But um, we love this house. We love this city. I remember it was close to 15 years ago now we heard Bill Johnson say, what would it look like for a city to be fully devoted to Jesus? And I remember thinking, yeah, that's it. A city and a region fully devoted to Jesus. And I've been told a lot that that's pretty ridiculous till recently. Then everybody is saying, what would it look like for God to win a city? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, we've been saying that about 15 years. And so I just feel like God is really about to birth some new vision in us as a church body for the city, to serve the city, to win the city, to let the city know we're here. And we're going to begin to address some things to let the city know we're here. And we love you. And we're ready for Jesus to get the love on you. So I've got a whole lot on that. I, it's actually what I studied all week. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night with a verse rolling around in me last night. And I knew we were about to take a heavy left turn um, from the Lord. And so last week I, I shared about in the, the place of living with the Spirit where we actually walk in spiritual endurance and how spiritual endurance is actually a trait of those walking in the life of the Spirit. And we, how many know that when you get a new definition, it means you have to lose the old definition. We had to break away the place of that endurance is natural effort to hang in there. You know, I was, when I think of hang in there, and forgive me, this is just how my mind thinks. I remember that kitten poster. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where he's like one arm or two or something and it said hang in there. And he's like hanging by a claw. And I feel like that's how, unfortunately, as Christians, we've approached endurance. We've approached it that we're just this kitten holding on. And like God is either going to rapture us or do something so that we can make it. And I feel like the Lord is just is wanting to completely reconstruct the idea of what spiritual endurance looks like. And so, I, just Second Timothy two twelve. I just want you to see this. It says this, it says eleven says here's a trustworthy saying it means perk up. If we died with him, we also lived with him. We spent a month talking about dying with him, and then it says if we endure we also will reign with Him. And I believe that as we be, the Lord began to construct, because He's constructing a new definition of endurance, He's saying, this is actually a place of reigning with Me. If you will learn what spiritual endurance looks like in the kingdom, if you will learn what it looks like in the Spirit-filled life, it will actually cause you to reign. It will cause, it will put something in you that will then begin to partner. How many know that the, the, the kingdom's definition is to rule and reign with God and it's on the inside of you. So it actually means the very thing on the inside of you just begins to be activated in this realm. And he's saying, but the way to do that, one of the ways that has to happen in you is that you have to let spiritual endurance begin to be built in you. What does that mean? You live beyond your feelings. You live beyond your circumstances. You live by a different report. You live by a different truth. You live by a different set of standards. 
I mean, the world, I, people get so worked up like, oh, the standards aren't what they were in my generation. Yes, they were. They're the same kingdom standards. The world is always going to be lowering the standard. We live by a different set of standards. Why? We don't live by a carnal mind. We live by life in the Spirit, right? And He's trying to build something. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll let a natural mindset even uh, take our approach to the Scriptures. But we're just hanging in there. We're just, we're doing our best. But I really felt like the Lord began to speak to me about to reign in life is actually to learn how to reign in the places of tension, disappointment, and defeat, or failure. I know that most of the people honored in the Old Testament are people that overcame disappointment, defeat, failure, or, or even places of tension where their life wasn't matching the promise of God and they just had to hold on and say, God, I know you're going to do it. And I'm going to read you a scripture in a minute that just so struck me when I was reading in James this week. And I felt like the Lord was like, when I woke up this morning, like, don't pass by endurance. Like, don't, I want you to talk about it again. Because he was, what he's wanting to build in us is actually, I feel like he's actually building an oikos or a house that can hold the revelation that nothing coming against us is going to stop the promise of God. Nothing coming against us can can prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail, right? And, he, and sometimes there's a there's a season where the Lord is reaching in and saying, "I'm going to build something in you to hold the very fresh word of the Lord." I said, "Oikos, it's edifice. It, it's a house. Oikos is world. Maybe it's a world He's building in us." But turn with me to James. I was just reading James on Thursday, just in my Bible reading. James is one of those books where, man, just you got to understand it with the whole rest of the scripture, and and that faith is important, but faith without deeds is dead, right? And 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 then it gets in and it, and it gets into and I love James. He's so practical. He's like talking about how how we need to treat the rich from the kingdom, how we need to treat the poor. Why? Because they were struggling with natural mindsets that were trying to rule the church. That's what James is all about. He's teaching them. He's a pure teacher. He's saying, hey, when the rich come in, don't treat them more special than the poor. When the poor come in, exalt them because their position is a humble position to start with. And then he got to this verse in 5.11. It says this. It says, as you know. Now, I I think that's interesting because then we need to know it. It says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. We consider them blessed. And, and this morning when I woke up, I just, I was thinking about actually the, the, the scriptures, the, the sermon series we preached in August about living in the blessing of God. And I thought, isn't it interesting how God is still bringing that up? Why? Cause he's, he's called us blessed. And now he's wanting to teach us how to live in his blessing, be established in his blessing. And one of the ways he's saying, now I'm rebuilding your definition of endurance, supernatural, spiritual endurance, so you can get in my blessing. I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want the Beatitudes to be just an idea. I want to live in all those blessings. I want to live in the blessing of God. I want to, I don't want it just to be a theory. I want to be able to show people this is what blessing looks like. 
My life is different because I'm blessed by knowing Him. I'm blessed by being His Son. I'm blessed by these things. And so it just, it began to just stir in me that, that, that there's a blessing that comes with those who have persevered. The word perseverance right there is exactly the same Greek word that we looked at last week to endure. It's the exact same Greek word. And I just felt like the Lord just began to talk to me about that. He was saying, listen, I, I want you to begin. And then, and then it, the next part of the verse that I kind of skipped over when I was reading, because I was like, yeah, I know about Job. You ever do that? Like, oh, I know that verse. And it says, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. And then it says, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so what I want to do right now is, this isn't going to take very long. I'm going to take a few minutes and actually use a few examples in the scripture that the Lord just pointed out to me this morning of perseverance to teach us how to spiritually persevere. Now, this could go on because then there's Abraham and there's Moses and all of those. But I actually want to start with Job because I felt like the Lord spoke something to me. Now, those of you that know me know I I avoid the book of Job pretty heavily because, first of all, the Lord told the guys that were speaking there, He said, hey, what they've said is not correct for you, Job. Now, interesting enough, he didn't say it wasn't correct for us at times, so it's still inspired. But what it was for Job, it was not inspired, because it was not the word of the Lord. And so, and then I, I don't like a lot of the bad theology that has come out of Job too. Like, well, God's punishing us, and, and it's being proven, and all these things. And I just got one word to say about that new covenant. And so, uh, that's two words, but. I could say hesed, hesed, hesed. It's the Hebrew word for new covenant. And so I just, it's important that we, we don't build theology on things like that because, because that's, because that's not the way that, that's not the kingdom we're living in right now. But there's still an accuser in heaven. And he's still accusing. Thank God there's an intercessor in heaven. His name is Jesus. And he's saying, oh, I call him innocent. I call him innocent. But when we begin to look at Job, we know the story, right? The first thing we have to understand about Job is that it doesn't say he was a pretend man of integrity who, was, who, who seemed blameless and looked like he had the fear of the Lord. I think sometimes when we think that, when we hear that scripture, but note, God says he's a man of integrity who's blameless and fears me in all that he does. God said it. So we have to understand that because if we're not careful, we'll build a theology that, oh, I'm sure something was wrong. I'm sure something was there that God was trying to beat out of him by the rest of the book of Job. But that's not what it says. It says that he was a man who feared the Lord with integrity and was blameless before him. So what I want to, I want to first lay a foundation here real quick that if you are, there are storms coming against you, and there are things that are not matching up in the promises and destinies of your life. It doesn't always ma- it doesn't happen that it's just it's your character that's holding that back. Or it's just like when I get more pure, I'll get more of God. I just want to tell you that that's not really what God was showing here is like no the enemy was trying to stop what God has said. 
The enemy was trying to stop what was in Job. The enemy and God in this instance showed that, hey, I'm going to show you that Job is real in this. And he persevered. But we know the story, right? So, so Job is, is before the Lord with integrity of heart and blameless and fear of the Lord. And in one day he loses everything. I was going to read it, but it's too depressing. There's, and it's long. There's Babylonians. There's Chaldeans. There's raiding parties. There's a tornado. It kills his livestock, his houses, his family. And then all of a sudden, when all of that seems like everything on the outside seems like he's lost, then his body begins to break down, right? And his wife says this, and she says, curse God and die. Actually, you know what she actually says? She actually says, stop using the integrity in you and curse God and die. Why? Because there was still something. What am I trying to show you? I'm trying to say that, that, that it's not always us making wrong things happen. That it's just the enemy is, is vicious against us. Why? Because he, he wants to kill, still and destroy us. He hates us. And we have learning part of the part of perseverance is just learning how to stand against the enemy. It's so important that we understand that like, well, if I'm walking with God, the enemy can't touch me. That's, he, no, he can't have you. But if you've been walking with God a little bit, you learn he'll try to touch, the enemy will try to touch you as much as possible. And how we respond to that and how we overcome in that, how we persevere. And, and yeah, sometimes like get off me. Sometimes it's like, no, there's nothing you can do to stop me. Because the Spirit of God on the inside of me is calling me blameless and one who fears Him and having full of integrity. But it just began to strike me this morning that what was He enduring? What was He persevering for? He was persevering for restoration. The whole book of Job is a book of restoration. What do we do when things have been stolen? What do we do when things have been broken? What do we do when things, we look around and like, my life looks like it's in, 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 it's in rubble compared to the promises of the palace I was expecting. It's a pursuit. It's an endurance to restoration. That's what James says. He says, look at Job who persevered. Oh, and we know the end of the story by the verse and he got it. So how do we, how do we learn to persevere? Well, I felt like one thing that really struck out, stuck out to me, and, and then there were so many things that were just this morning I got up and just was writing. But I've, I felt like that, that the endurance that came to Job was the reliance on the Word of the Lord. Not the Word of others. It was the Word of the Lord. And it was a revelation that began to come to him. And really what I want to share with you is this place that Job was strengthened or began to understand supernatural endurance when the Father began to reveal to him his greatness. Have you ever read that section when God is talking to Job? He basically starts with, hey, you're small and I'm big. Really? And don't question me because I know what's best for you. And he begins to lay out all the things about the foundations of the earth and all the things that go on. And if you're poetic, you love that section where God is talking. But if you dig into it, what God is really saying is, I'm greater than the one who's coming against you. 
I'm greater than everything you're feeling right now. I'm greater than the storms. I'm greater than the lies. I'm greater than all the words that those guys just told you and condemned you with for 40 chapters. I'm greater than all of those. And it began to recognize the greatness of God. When Job answers him, he says, you're right, God. You are great. He didn't say, I understand everything that's gone on in the last few years. He says, you are great. I have come out of an understanding, and I believe if we're going to walk in spiritual endurance, it is not always about answers. And we live in such an interesting generation that demands answers. So much so, they'll make up truth for answers. And we live in a world that just says, just... Tom, tell me some reason it's going on. And the truth is, Tom can tell you the best answer, but it's still not the one that God is looking to give you. Because God is saying, I need you to live by the word of the Lord. I need you to be like my son when he was persevering in the desert and said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. What was he saying? Hey, there is a place of spiritual endurance that only comes from establishing yourself in the word of the Lord. It will cause you to recognize the greatness of God. In the midst of all hell breaking loose, you can say God is good. The other thing I I just really feel like that I, I, I felt like is a battle of endurance is actually the place that we need to be careful of how much we live by other people's opinion or advice. And like I said, we live in such an interesting generation that, that want to live even on principles. Like, here's the principle I'm going to live by. Be careful that you don't start living by principles. The Scripture actually tells us that we're not to live by principles, but we're supposed to live by the Spirit of God. The moment I begin to rely on principles, I just tell you this, I know I'm not relying on the Spirit of God. Now, when I don't know what to do, I will go to principle and say, what's the principle here? But then I will lay that before the Lord and say, what do you want me to do? And, and we've got to be careful because what are those guys saying? The three men that are advising Job are giving him their opinion and principles of the day. And they're saying, you just do these things and you'll recover. And, and, and it wasn't what brought spiritual endurance. But more importantly, it wasn't what brought spiritual restoration in the end. Why? Because we know the story in the end is everything is restored to Job. Including that she has more children. And it seems like, again, this is another miracle of the Lord, because it sounds like he's well in age when his first children are killed. And so God says, no, I'm going to make you so fruitful that nothing can be taken from you. And then I, I, I just have to mention this. It was so intriguing. Reading that last chapter, it mentions his three daughters. And it says they were the most beautiful in the land. And I felt like the Lord told me, you know, when I restore things, it's always more beautiful than before. When I restore things, it didn't say as the first girls were ugly. Please don't. I didn't say that. It just says, says there was something that was resting on the restoration children that was beautiful for all to recognize. And, and it just began to strike me. It was like, we have to understand that spiritual endurance will actually cause us to walk in the beautiful things of God. 
It will walk us, cause us to walk in the spirit of restoration and redemption that is way better than the world can even fathom. And when they see it, they're like, oh my goodness. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could bring that. That's beautiful. And I, I just want to show you that, because sometimes we talk about endurance, like I'm enduring. But I want to tell you the, the fruit of endurance, the beauty of endurance is restoration of everything stolen. Redemption beyond our wildest dreams. I'll just tell you, the more I live that phrase out, the more I realize that people have a hard time actually grasping it. Because you'll begin to talk about it and they'll be like, well, but, and they'll go right into principle. Why? Because principle is, is easier to get your natural mind around. But spiritually, the minute you get into His realm and His rule, you begin to say, oh, this is beautiful. How many want to live there? And we have to learn how to persevere and endure with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of the Lord. I want to tell you, that journey is joy in the journey. It's beautiful. Sometimes you don't even recognize that you're persevering. You're just living life with the Spirit. You know, I can always tell when I'm hanging out with people that their focus is on their endurance instead of the end result. How do I know that? Because I don't like to be around them. Seriously, you can tell it. Why? Because all they're talking about is how hard their right foot going in front of their left foot was that day. And you're like, but what's God showing you? I just sometimes want to take my hand and push their chin up and say, but what's He showing you? What's He doing beyond right foot, left foot? What's He doing? What's He showing you? What's He saying? And it doesn't always mean you're going to be floating on air. It means that you have the strength of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, girding you up and saying, now we're going to think differently today. Now you're going to have the mind of the Spirit today. Second one, that the Lord just... I was definitely not thinking about these two. About 7 a.m. I was this morning. It was about Simeon and Anna. We all know the story, right? Jesus... Seems to be maybe on the eighth day they go to present him in the temple, right? Does anyone know the, the promise to Simeon? He would see the Messiah, the Lord, the Christ, before he died. It's really interesting that, how would you like to be known as an old man in the scripture? What it says, it says, oh, and he was an old man. What's he saying? That time was ticking down on the promise. And I felt like the Lord just began to speak to me this morning that endurance is required to see the promise. And I believe that so many people in spiritual endurance, this new place of walking with the Spirit and understanding that endurance allows us to reign in Him, people get underneath it and they give up right before the promise. Even when you look at Abraham, he had multiple moments where he almost gave up. Good news, God always showed up then. Why? Because he's very, very, very inspired about his promises. He actually says, I will not let one fall to the ground. I mean, those are the words we have to hold on to. 
But think about Simeon and then Anna pops in. I just realized today, like, she just got the fruit of Simeon's promise. And I feel like there's people that actually in our town, in our generation, don't even know the promise of God to them. But you persevering for yours will get them into theirs. It doesn't say Anna had the promise anywhere. But she was in the right place at the right time, hanging around with someone who was getting the promise fulfilled that day. And I felt like the Lord just began to show me. And so we know the story, right? That Mary and Joseph, they bring Jesus, they present Him. And, and honestly, He was probably circumcised on that day. And they, and they present Him to the Lord and they say, He's yours. And the Lord was like, He really is. But then the promise. So I just want to read you a small passage in Luke. It says, it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, I want you to think about that phrase for a minute. That we had just come out of 400 silent years where God had not spoken for 400 years to Israel. Yet there was still a man who had found the Holy Spirit in that and was walking with Him. It had been revealed to Him by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because only promises are only revealed by the Holy Spirit. You can't take a test, can't take your gift test and a dream test and all these things and find out your promises. They're only revealed by God. And he, began, he says it was revealed by the Holy Spirit that He would not die before He had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Can you imagine that moment? I can't wait. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in all the sight of the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. It says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. How many know the amount of encouragement that was going into Joseph and Mary? I mean, just remember, they're the only two on earth besides Elizabeth and John, Zechariah, John's father, that knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Imagine the attack of the enemies telling them, you're, you're making it up. You're lying. There's no way that's real. We've all been there, right? You've got this promise from God, and like, oh, you're making that up. There's no way. And they're carrying it, but somebody else walking in their destiny and their promise being fulfilled begin to pour out encouragement and comfort to Mary and Joseph. I'm trying to show you uh, the, the atmosphere of the kingdom. As we persevere, it's not about us. It's about everyone in our atmosphere. It becomes an atmosphere where people are being encouraged as you're seeing the promises of God being fulfilled. It becomes an atmosphere where as you get the Word of the Lord, it inspires them to run with it. And Mary and Joseph, imagine, they walk out and He basically just said, this is the Christ. And they're like, we're not making it up. They look at each other, tears in their eyes, and say, "We, it's true, it is all true. We're not crazy. Because listen, some of the promises from God are going to make you feel like you're crazy on the inside. 
What's it take? It takes other people fulfilling their destiny around you to begin to pour into you and encourage you. But the one thing that really, I felt like the Lord just like literally spoke this to me this morning. There was actually two important points that had to happen for endurance to be going on in Simeon's life. And if we get to Anna, we, we will. I don't think we're going to. The, the first one was that endurance was active. It was active. Not a passive waiting. I think that we've really misunderstood the Lord when He says, wait on me. We, we do it, in, I mean, we do it like we're sitting at, our, at the restaurant. How many of you hate those buzzers? You get the buzzer and you walk in, they're like, your table will be ready in 20 minutes. And they hand you that buzzer. Really what that means is in 20 minutes, it could happen. Because we're totally guessing on the other side how fast those people are going to eat. And they hand you that buzzer and they say, now go wait. Now, if you go, now pre-cell phones, a waiting list was the world's worst thing. Because you just sat in a room and looked at a bunch of people that were also waiting. Right? Ever remember your life before you had something to tell you about everything else going on in the world at that time? They actually had newspapers sitting there so you could read it. And just, why? To bide your time while you were waiting. And I feel like that, that what's, what's happened to us though is we've become a people who we've learned to wait like that. Well, when God sends the buzzer and tells me my table's ready, I'll get up and walk into the dining room. And the problem with that is that never is what God has intended. He's looking for an active endurance, an active waiting, an active partnering with Him, an active place. Hey, what was going on with Simeon? Every day he was going to the temple saying, this could be the day. Now good news, when he's on his way that day, the Holy Spirit says, this is the day. But if he wasn't on his way, that becomes a harder promise. There's an activation that begins to happen as we partner and endure actively and pursue the promises actively. And I just feel like for us as a community of believers, we will pursue with great vigor the promises of God. Why? Because we want to teach you to do it for your promises. So we're going to do things corporately in the next season that you see are like pursuit of the vision of God. Why? Because we want to teach you that we're not going to sit back and just say, well, God wants it to happen. It'll happen. And, and we begin to see this, this place of lack of waiting, but an activation. But the other thing that I, and this is where I'm going to end. I felt like the Lord told me, you know, there's an importance of gathering together more than just the verse in Hebrews that we always quote to try to make people come to church. What's that one? 10.25 Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We quote that and we're like trying to, and the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, hey, you have to understand the importance of being together. And I felt like the Lord actually quoted that verse to me this morning and said, Simeon had understood that in the house of God was where the Christ was going to show up. He didn't just sit in his house and say, well, God, you can tell me when he's coming. There was an active of every day. Why? Because he was devout 
and devoted to the Lord. And he was coming in and he was giving. And even if the promise hadn't been fulfilled, he was still coming to the house of the Lord every day. And I just felt like the Lord just began to talk to me. He was like, how many people have you seen give up on gathering together with the saints when they are not enduring for their promises anymore? And I, I could, I could, the list was enormous. Why? Because there's a, there's a strength when you're gathering together where you'll come together. And it's like all the things I've said before. You see other people's promises coming to pass and you walk out and say, it's happening for me. You get encouraged. You get other people that come up and say, this is what God said to me. I don't know if it means anything to you. And they're like, it means everything to me. Simeon, hold in Jesus. Saying, you can take me home. This is the Messiah. And they hear it. And their ears are full of faith. And convincing proof that, hey, God is who He says He is. Why am I saying that? Because all of us know people that are not gathering. Not, this is not about us. In, in, in the Christian body, that I want to tell you, inspire them to get back in the body of Christ. Inspire them. How do you do that? With your spiritual endurance. Say, not everything's come to pass for me, but I'm still going after Him with everything in me. Why? Because you're learning how to overcome those places of tension, disappointment, and defeat. I've just discovered something from the Lord, and I've known this for a long time, but how many know you know something and then all of a sudden you live it? That just defeat does not discourage the Father. It's actually just an invitation for more of Him. And we're going we're gonna to give that away for free to people. Listen, I heard Sheila's testimony today, and it was the most beautiful thing. Why? Because it was, it was, the enemy could have gloated and said, these are all the things I've done. And then she said, but Jesus got me. But Jesus came and rescued me. Listen, we've got to be a people who understand the promises of God and let them build endurance in our lives. So let's stand. I'm scared because I have 20 more people we could do. It's all in the book of Hebrews 11. That they all endured. Every one of them. For what they had seen. So here's how we're going to end tonight. We're going to do a little activation, okay? How do you believe you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? You know you do, right? How do you believe then that He is passionate about your promises and your destiny. I just believe we need to see it again. So I want you all to close your eyes and put your hands out, whatever that looks like to you, just in receive mode. I want you to let Him show you again the promise. Let Him show you the promise. Some of you are just praying for your children, and I believe it's powerful to pray. Now I want you to see your child Rejoicing and standing before the Lord in His pleasure. Some of you are believing for ridiculous amounts of of finance because God has promised it to you for the kingdom. I want you to see that coming to you. Is this visualization? No. It says they saw the promise in Hebrews 11. It says they saw the promise. So Just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you right now. Why? Because He wants you to come out of here encouraged tonight. And if the enemy is trying to blind your eyes right now, you say, I just can't even see it. I just breathe hope into you right now. We just bless those promises right now. 
We bless them. We, de- we declare, like Simeon, now we're going to go to the house of the Lord every time and say, Lord, I'm anticipating you to fulfill that promise. I can't wait to bury a generation of people that said, God, I can go home. Because here's my list of promises, and they're all fulfilled. You can take me home. Let that be said of me. Let that be said of us. Lord, we thank you that you're teaching us a spiritual definition of endurance that is a whole lot better than hang in there. So we bless you tonight. We love you. Thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for this amazing body of believers that loves you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, bless you guys.